Welcome to Connections, a McElroy podcast all about pipe fusion, where we tackle industry news, job site success stories, and more from the world of thermoplastic pipe. Hey everyone, and welcome to Connections, a podcast from the experts at McElroy. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now today, we're talking all things plastic pipe with David Fink, the president of Plastics Pipe Institute. David, thank you so much for joining the show. Welcome. Tyler, thank you so much. Really appreciate this opportunity that's been provided by McElroy to talk about uh, what's going on in our industry today. Well, we are thrilled to have you on, and thank you once again for for coming on the show. We're also joined today by Jim Johnston, the Vice President and Chief Technology Officer at McElroy. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, Tyler. And, and again, David, thank you for being on here with us. Uh, really excited about, about the opportunity to talk about this and, and the perspectives that you can help us bring uh, with your experience, not only at Plastics Pipe Institute, but some of your history in the in the piping industry. Well, fantastic stuff. And let's talk about uh, about David's experience in the industry. Now, David, you're relatively new to your role at PPI, but you, you have been in the industry for a long time, as Jim mentioned. So tell listeners uh, about your career and just give us an idea of your experience. Sure thing, Tyler. And uh, the funny thing is, I still consider myself a young man in this industry, but uh, somehow I've got uh, over 25 years now of involvement. So my career started back with Dow Chemical on the resin side of things. I uh, started in sales of, of polyethylene resins, uh, kind of moved my way up into some marketing and management positions uh, where before I left Dow to join WL Plastics, I spent the last uh, five to six years at Dow Chemical really managing their pipe resin business. Gave me an appreciation of the North American landscape um, before transitioning to actually one of the manufacturers, that being WL Plastics where I spent uh, a 13-year career, a uh, great company, uh, started out somewhat as a regional player. And uh, when I departed to join PPI, uh, we were very much a, um, a, a national manufacturer of all things polyethylene pipe. So uh, my background really on the resin side of the supply chain through the pipe manufacturing side uh, really was an excellent fit uh, for joining the Plastic Pipe Institute. I'd been very active at PPI for over 20 years, uh, including a few stints on the board of directors and ironically uh, was the past chairman of the board uh, when this opportunity presented itself. So I did join uh, PPI and started my career with them uh, last January. So just a little bit over a year now. That's fantastic, and, and some some amazing experience that you're bringing to the podcast. Um, so I, I know the mission of the Plastics Pipe Institute is to advance the acceptance and use of plastic pipe systems through research and education, technical expertise, and advocacy. So can you give us some examples of what you're doing in those categories and any changes you anticipate since you've taken over the reins? You know, where have you seen the most success in advancing the awareness uh, of plastic pipe use? And, and just taking a step backwards for a moment, the reason that um, PPI was so attractive to me is that's really where I learned the most about this industry in my early years at Dow Chemical and then uh, progressing into WL Plastics. PPI allows competitors to collaborate on information whenever it comes to codes and standards and regulations to advance the opportunities for plastic piping systems. So everything from uh, maintaining uh, appropriate standards to when new materials may hit the market or advancements occur, uh, we can update those codes and standards and regulations out there to allow the member companies, the manufacturers, distributors, 
resin companies throughout North America uh, to actively participate. Uh, the market for piping materials continues to evolve, uh, continues to grow. And obviously with the infrastructure needs that we're looking at as water and sewer, gas and other piping infrastructure ages uh, being so necessary here in the coming years, it's a great opportunity for us to be out on the forefront and advocate on behalf of our membership. So whenever it comes to advocacy and education, uh, those two in my mind are very linked. So we take that technology and standards piece, if you will, and it's how best do we get that information out to the masses, to the engineers, uh, to the contractors, to the key stakeholders at the end user community. So we have spent time um, over the last few years in development of handbooks and textbooks, technical notes, but what has been new here in the last year and COVID may have helped spur this along is online learning. So we launched PPI eLearn. It is a learning management system that we're very proud of. Uh, it's gonna take a while to get a lot of content out there. Uh, so we're gonna continue to work on this in the years to come. But this enables us to get away from the lunch and learn where you're stuck at one location for one hour uh, with maybe a limited number of people to where now you can learn 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year by taking these online courses and modules. So we're very excited about that opportunity. Uh, the other thing that we have really poured a lot of work into over the last few years has been our governmental affairs and public relations. So in regards to advocacy, we're spending more time in D.C. Uh, with the recent change in a lot of the uh, Congress and Senate and administration. Uh, we want to make sure we know who our friends are, uh, who are the other trade associations uh, that we may be able to form coalitions with. So again, we can protect and advance the opportunities for plastic piping systems. And Jim, maybe this is a good opportunity for uh, to, to get your thoughts on on the work that that um, that, that Plastics Pipe Institute does and, and some of the work that they're they're doing. Like you said, advocacy and awareness and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's really about advancing the use of plastic pipes and in having that voice that is a non-competitive voice to be able to bring that that single message forward. And there are a lot of um, industry organizations that that are are wound up into this as well, and and so you've got you've got an, an institute that not only does some standards development and some research, but also gives uh, really great information and and background on how to use it, when to use it, where the resources are. We get a lot of calls here at McElroy that someone has called Plastics Pipe Institute and said, hey, we have a question about X. And they're a great ability and clearinghouse to be able to say, we have a member company that does specifically that and can answer this question, whether that be a pipe company or a manufacturer like McElroy that produces equipment, they have question about fusion or they have uh, an opportunity with a with a need that they need really specific information, engineers on staff that help. And so it's really important uh, to this industry to have that single voice. It doesn't come across as a commercial sales pitch anymore because it is a it is an advocacy group. It is a coalition of all of the organizations in a non-competitive environment that really allows us to 
to advance the idea of plastics pipe, whether it's water conservation or or natural gas distribution or mining or industrial or um, inside the building, outside the building, everywhere that plastics pipes are used, it gives um, it gives a resource for someone to go to that is not a single commercial basis, but rather a a, a, um, a good solid base for for them to reference. Now, one of the things that that we wanted to discuss was that you know you you can't really turn on the news these days without hearing uh, about infrastructure and infrastructure spending, and there's just a lot of conversation around it. And PPI, as as David was uh, was outlining, spends a lot of time and resources around advocacy. Now, ASCE came out with their grade card, and as a nation, we received a C minus with regards to infrastructure. And across the nation, the grades are really low, and many states didn't even receive a grade. Uh, so with all of that in mind, what do you see in the year ahead with regard to infrastructure, and how can the average citizen get involved in in this overall effort? Tyler, it's a great point. Uh, the majority of the piping infrastructure across the United States was installed during World War One or, or post World War Two, so it's it's coming up on its usable life expectancy. Uh, those pipelines were designed to last fifty years. And the vast majority of them are at that point today. When you look at utilities replacing roughly only about 1% a year, that means the new materials need a 100-year lifetime or longer until you get back around to it. So there's a lot of work within the utilities to prioritize what segments of their piping infrastructure need to be replaced and, and with that planning. Uh, a lot of these utilities don't have the financing that is necessary to really go about a lot of this rehabilitation work. So they are looking towards governmental uh, stimulus packages, those that are being discussed today in DC, you know, lower interest rate bonds, whatever the case may be. And even now some private investment versus just public investment to really spur uh, the capital that is needed for this infrastructure rebuild. So we are very excited uh, as an industry. Plastics are outpacing uh, the growth of alternate materials, whether it be iron, copper, concrete, et cetera, uh, and that they are corrosion-free, leak-free, they're sustainable, their manufacturing process through to their installation process has a low carbon footprint, uh, so we're environmentally friendly and we're growing faster than those alternate materials. So we see an opportunity for plastic piping systems, as Jim mentioned, whether that be in, in potable water or natural gas distribution or in, in mining or landfills that will outpace other materials and growth that could be two to three times the U.S. GDP, uh, just given that you have everything from new construction coupled with all these hundreds of miles of existing infrastructure that need to be rehabilitated. And Jim, you participate in a number of standards and industry organizations as well. What what are others talking about with regards to infrastructure and getting back to business? Playing on the heels of what David said is the infrastructure piece, whether especially I'll focus on water for a minute. That aspect of the water industry, um, that infrastructure is continuing to decay uh, literally under our feet. And that hasn't gone away through COVID. So there, there are lots and lots and lots of projects that are pent up out there that 
that may have been delayed via COVID, may have been delayed through some other things, but that doesn't mean that those replacements go away. So there's a lot of activity that's building up that is that is pushing um, activity forward and really looking at sustainable systems, longer life systems, um, especially in the water industry focused on leak free. I mean, the natural gas industry adopted this back in the early 70s because the worst case scenario for a natural gas system is a leak. Uh, but water has just in the last decade or two started looking at that on a very, in a very heavy level to, to look at it and say, we don't want leaks in our water systems as well. And so there is a lot of pent up activity out there and a lot of things happening that uh, we're seeing really to get back on those projects. The infrastructure bill is a big one that everybody's been holding their breath about. One of the, sort of unknown pieces uh, going into COVID was the low interest rates and the housing build that has occurred. If you if you didn't remodel your house or move or build a new house during COVID times, you're, you may be an exception in the U.S. right now. So there's huge amounts of new need that has happened just in the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, in addition to that infrastructure that needs to be replaced. So there is a huge amount of activity and lots of excitement about getting back and getting those projects moving and, and, and moving those activities forward. So that affects all the way down to the commodity level at the mining side of things. So as, as all of these components and as the economy comes back on, it affects all of the businesses that uh, that we play in and, and that it, they use plastics pipes. So we're really seeing a lot of activity. Uh, we follow 12 different leading economic indicators here at McElroy, and nine of our 12 indicators are either in recovery or in full growth mode as we look forward into Q3, Q4, and into 2022 uh, for us right now. So Lots of activity, lots of lots of pent up demand that hasn't gone away that maybe didn't happen in 2020. That's that project still has to happen along with all the other things that are out there. So there is a lot of a lot of demand built up and uh, ready to go. Yeah, Tyler, if I could build on that, I mean, just to throw some numbers at what Jim is commenting on, you've got millions of miles of pipes and over 50,000 community water systems that are delivering drinkable treated water to homes. And you have a leakage issue within the current infrastructure that is leaking 6 billion gallons of treated drinking water every day, or the equivalent of enough to fill 9,000 swimming pools. So we're going through this process of, of cleaning and treating this water to deliver to the community and you've got 15 to 20% of it that's not making its way there. So just putting in a leak-free system is gonna be a huge win for water conservation moving forward. And, and water is becoming a more and more scarce commodity as we all know. So, and then you look on the sewer side, uh, it's got similar issues. It's underspent as far as the capital that needs to occur to clean up a lot of these systems. You have some old systems that have a combined stormwater sewer system to where you get heavy rainfall like we did here in Texas today, and your water treatment plants uh, can't manage the, the facilities because of the overrun. 
So there's a lot of money that needs to be spent. Uh, the latest estimates are around a trillion dollars over the next 25 years. And when you look at what we're spending today at around you know 20 billion a year on water, um, about the same in wastewater, we need to triple to quadruple that to really just catch up to meet the existing demand. So it's it, it's a huge opportunity in front of us, uh, and if it's not addressed, it becomes a huge issue uh, for a lot of communities. Mm. Yeah, and just just following even on from that and the infrastructure conversation, you know, we've seen some extreme weather in the past few years. And even this winter, we saw some devastating cold, even into PPI's home state of Texas, right? Not something that we are used to experiencing here. So uh, so how does plastic pipe play into that recovery and sustainability into the future? Well, the beauty there is that plastics, and in particular polyethylene pipe, is is ductile and it can expand and contract with freeze thaw conditions so it, it doesn't pull itself apart with ground shifts or movements significant movements like earthquakes or here when we had the freeze if you didn't have the ability to keep your water running through your pipes uh, they could freeze up the water expands and it can burst your pipes uh, there's Texans still recovering from the February winter storm that we hit. Uh, myself, I was without water uh, for two days. Uh, not fun when you're boiling water out of your bathtub to, uh, to drink and cook with, but uh, at least we had that opportunity. It's that leak-free system. It's that durability and toughness uh, of polyethylene, potable water, and wastewater systems. Uh, Jim mentioned in the house, uh, plastics are definitely in homes and commercial buildings. Uh, you heard horror stories of people's pipes in their homes bursting. Here again, uh, plastic pipes tend to be able to expand and accept some of that freeze thaw. So there's a huge opportunity there to where we would have mitigated a lot of the catastrophic failures to the municipal systems and even within homes and commercial buildings had more plastic pipes been involved. Now, on the other side of that coin, the, the drought and wildfire conditions in the West have seemed to have gotten worse and are already starting in the upper Midwest this spring. So can you comment on the role that plastic pipes play, play with that water sustainability and any challenges that the industry is facing in that area? Here again, the leak-free nature and durability uh, of the product really uh, withstands uh, these conditions. Uh, pipes are typically buried in the ground so the issues that you see with these wildfires are that when everything above ground obviously burns to a crisp and there have been some, some tragic issues and situations. If you go to Paradise, California, the campfire from a few years ago, uh, it, it burned millions of pounds of debris, uh, the trees, cars, homes, any structures. But the beauty of the piping systems were being protected within the ground. You could flush out these systems and reconnect them. In the rare instances where you maybe had to extend uh, pipelines as the rebuilding process took place, the flexibility uh, of polyethylene pipe and, and plastic pipes in general to snake its way through uh, to connect into a main and, and pull that lateral up to the, the new home site, that quick recovery, uh, the availability of the product in the industry, and really the ease of installation make it the preferred material. And thus why Paradise decided to come back in and replace their piping systems with polyethylene pipe. So it's a great product in the resilience of anything from earthquakes to wildfires. 
in the recovery process and being a fast, easy install uh, for that contractor so that you can recover from one of these catastrophic events. Especially the West, because that's one that we see the most. But there's there's unprecedented drought situations going on from really the the Western Midwest all the way to the West Coast. And that has traditionally been an environment where water was plentiful. And in fact, most of the water transfer in a lot of areas was done in open canals or open ditch uh, style runs. And even just the simple evaporative loss of, of water through those has been extraordinary. So water conservation has become such a priority that not only do we want to get it into a pipe so we don't have uh, evaporative loss, but any loss in that system, back to David's numbers of the amount of loss uh, in the piping systems that are out there today in the water world is critical. And, And polyethylene pipe specifically has a zero leak allowance. Um, So there are other systems out there that have a leak allowance from its install going forward there there's an allowable leak rate but with polyethylene there is no allowable leak rate it is a zero leak system and so that conservation in these extremely hard hit drought areas is critical whether it's fighting wildfires to get the water to the right place or just having water for the people that are that are there potable water in a simple delivery system is today a given but in some places, it's not a given. It's, it's not something that, that is always going to be there or has always been there. And so these systems allow that to, to actually get to where, where we need it at our houses. Yeah, water is an essential for life, right? You can't go along without it. So if a community is devastated, whether it be a winter storm or a, a fire, getting that recovery back in place is critical, not only for for emergency use, hospitals, but just for, you know, your homeowners. So you can't live long without it. Yeah, that's a, it's an excellent point. And you guys made some, some fantastic points just um, in and around this, this infrastructure conversation as relates to, you know, different aspects of severe weather. And uh, David, I wanted to begin to wrap things up today just by asking what else is new at at the PPI and what, what else do you have going on and and that, that you want to discuss here on the show today? We've touched on it a little bit here. Uh, current buzzwords that you're going to hear out there whenever it comes to any type of infrastructure are going to be sustainability and resiliency. And even recycling is, is making its way into the mix when it comes to plastics, mainly due to single-use disposable plastics. But just to touch on a few things, the sustainability of plastic piping systems, again, or its features and benefits, it doesn't corrode. It's going to give you that 100-plus year service life. It's extremely tough and durable and easy to install. Uh, you look at um, the ability to go in, for example, on trenchless installations, you may be saving up to 30% of your cost versus opening up a ditch. You're going to have lower carbon emissions because you're going to have lighter weight equipment. Um, you're not going to be hauling off that, that dirt and bringing it back or maybe having to repave as much of the roadway when you're done. And then as we touched on with some of these catastrophes, um, the resiliency of the materials in our industry, uh, the ability to recover quickly and and get installations back in place so that people can get treatable drinking water, uh, really speaks to a lot of the benefits of our materials. So you're going to see our institute really promoting heavily uh, in the next few years, the sustainable nature 
the resilient nature, and the environmental friendliness of, of plastic piping systems. You know, they, they take less energy to produce. They're lighter weight than alternate materials. So you need less trucks to get them to the job site. And through installation opportunities like Trenchless, uh, you can save yourself time and money, which when you have utilities that are starved for capital, if they can do more with their current budgets, why wouldn't they? So again, just great opportunities, I think, here moving forward. And, and Tyler, to go back to one of your earlier questions, what can the general population do to support these efforts? Mm -hmm. As you see legislation coming forward, stay engaged, stay educated. Um, we try between McElroy and the Plastic Pipe Institute to really push out these opportunities. It's a great time to support things like these infrastructure bills. So, you know, write your local Congress and Senate and, and let them know that you see this as a need for your community moving forward, that um, communities aren't sustainable longer term if they don't have the ability to attract employees. And those employees need homes to live in that have natural gas and water and safely dispose of their wastewater. And there are communities that have that have shrunk uh, because they don't address their piping infrastructure. So from a, a personal Joe public perspective, get engaged, stay educated, and don't be afraid to write a letter to your, your local uh, Congress and Senate. Jim, any final thoughts as we uh, begin to wrap up this episode here with, uh, with David Fink, president of PPI? I, I just want to... Uh... Uh, I want to say thank you, David, for, for being here with us today. It's been really uh, a great informative session, and I appreciate that. Uh, for, for our listeners, plastic pipes are the future. These are the things that get us their water. Uh, I, I will focus on water very often. Water, um, clean drinking water is, water is not a scarcity. Clean drinking water is a scarcity, and we have to be doing things to save that water, prepare ourselves and be ready for the future. And these types of systems, no matter where they are throughout the process, from the mining side all the way through our potable water and natural gas systems, give us uh, a, a great infrastructure that has long life, sustainability and resilience. And Tyler, thank you for being here for us. Absolutely, absolutely happy to uh, happy to be here and happy to be a part of this episode. Now, David, the uh, the website for PPI was plasticpipe.org. Is that correct? That is correct, and that's where you can find um, contact information if you have questions. Jim mentioned earlier we have subject matter experts as engineers on staff here at PPI, but we like to reach out to our members as partners in our association. Uh, as they're the ones that are they're really out in their communities so that we can do our best to get you local support. So uh, not only can you gain insights on education and, and technical information, but again, feel free to reach out to us with any questions uh, that you may have when it comes to plastic piping systems. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Well, thank you both so much for, for being here on the podcast today, David Fink and Jim Johnston. Uh, guys, thank you once again for joining us here on Connections. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Jim. 
And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Connections, a podcast from the experts at McElroy. Make sure to go visit the McElroy website as well, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y.com, McElroy.com for more information on McElroy. And stay tuned for more episodes of the podcast. We'll have them coming at you shortly. Make sure to go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with those latest episodes. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon. But until then, for my guests today, David and Jim, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening. 